Pastor Bill's anecdote about his train trip from Munich to Augsburg reminded me of a similar train trip of my own. When a running mate of mine and I went to get tickets to fly back to Japan to rejoin USS Samuel Gompers, the Navy guy gave us tickets to Narita Airport, which was near Yokosuka, which is where the Sammy G was moored when we flew to the States. Unfortunately, when we returned, the ship had moved to Sasebo, which is on the other side of the country. From Narita in Tokyo, we had to take trains to Sasebo. The first leg was a bullet train that traveled at 120 miles an hour and, as luck would have it, had the lowest beer prices in the country. Shortly before 11 p.m., we arrived at the station where we were to transfer to the Sasebo train. All the signs were kanji characters, the ticket booth was deserted, and we couldn't find a soul who either could or would speak English. Our tickets said the train to Sasebo would leave at 11 p.m. There was only one train leaving at 11 p.m., so we took a leap of faith figuring that since the Japanese are punctilious about punctuality, the train to Sasebo would leave at 11 p.m. Turns out it did. I don't think the phrase leap of faith occurs in the Bible, but there are several instances when a biblical character took an action or made a choice based on belief. Abraham's first leap of faith was the covenant with God, and he took another when he raised his knife over Isaac. What was Abraham thinking? Was he to kill the son that he and Sarai had hoped for all those years? Was this God he made a covenant with the same as the other local deities who demanded child sacrifice? In his book, Fear and Trembling, Soren Kierkegaard speculated that Abraham knew when he left his tent for Moriah that God would let no harm come to Isaac. I think that makes sense because God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and without Isaac there would be no descendants. Sarah was pushing a hundred, and I doubt she would have been too keen on spending nine months carrying another miracle baby. Yahweh told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Moses was understandably worried about returning to his native land as he had been on the lamb after killing an Egyptian. Moses had only a magic rod and the words that Yahweh put in his mouth to take to Pharaoh's court, and to top it off, he was oratorically challenged. Heavy of mouth and tongue, as Moses himself put it. Nevertheless, Moses and Aaron took the leap and went to Pharaoh's court where Aaron used his rod to whip some Egyptian cobras. David the shepherd boy walked onto a battlefield in his work clothes with a staff, a slingshot, and five smooth stones to face Goliath, a train killer sporting armor and carrying a spear, the head of which Samuel said weighed some 14 pounds. Samuel also said Goliath measured six cubits in a span. That's ten feet and a skosh. The local bookmakers couldn't set the odds high enough to get any action on David to win. He was probably a hundred to one to show. After a bit of trash talk, David slang a stone and Goliath fell like a blind roofer. The disciples left their homes and jobs to follow an itinerant rabbi. They didn't know what would happen to them and their families, where they would sleep, how they'd eat, or how long they'd be gone. Joanna, Susanna, and some others bankrolled the three-year tour, which led to Joseph of Arimathea's empty tomb and our salvation. Peter had a less successful leap of faith when he stepped out of the boat onto the Sea of Galilee. He took the leap, didn't have the faith. Jesus wanted to build his church on a rock, and when he saw Peter sinking like one, he knew he had his man. We've all taken a leap of faith of some sort at one time or another, and leaps of faith abound in the Bible. We Lutherans are not called to a leap of faith, but to a life of faith. A leap of faith is a one-off, a one-timer. 
A life of faith is just that, a lifelong commitment to God, the Christian way of life, and our brothers and sisters.